and take a look at this video before Al and I get up and share with you. As I went down in the river to pray, studying about that good old way, and who shall wear the starry crown? Good Lord, show me the way. Oh, sisters, let's go down, let's go down, come on down. Oh, sisters, let's go down, down in the river to pray. As I went down in the river to pray, studying about that good old way, and who shall wear the robe and crown? Good Lord, show me the way. Oh, brothers, let's go down, let's go down, come on down. Come on, brothers, let's go down, down in the river to I went down in the river to pray, studying about that good old way, and who shall wear the starry crown, good Lord, show me the way. Oh, fathers, let's go down, let's go down, come on down. Oh, fathers, let's go down, down in the river to Thank you for that applause. I appreciate that. It's good to be welcomed home. Good to have you back, Al. I know what you're thinking. You're saying, Jake, Elwood, they're getting the band back together, right? <laughs> that Mike and Al, right? It's the Mike and Al show. It's been a few, uh, been a few months. It's always a pleasure uh, to be back. And I have to begin this morning by saying, Kelly, you were right. Amen to that. I don't even know what he's going to say. <laughs> uh, you know, Kelly does a sermon where he... Uh, he talks about this, uh, he was in Abilene, I think, and, he, and he, this hailstorm comes up, and he had this new car, and he was so proud of it, and so he tried to, he went out, and he was, you were wearing your motorcycle yeah. helmet, right, <laughs> to, to keep from getting knocked in the head, you know, and be worse than he is, 
And um, so he was trying to put the car at the bank, you know, to hide it from the hailstorm, but everybody else had come up with the same idea, right. So he said something into that. I don't remember the sermon or the point. Well, thank you for that. But I remember the illustration, which, according to Inman, is the most important thing anyway, right? So so he, he said, never fall in love with a hunk of metal. And that has always stuck with me. Uh, until I fell in love with a hunk of metal. I got a brand new truck recently, Ford F-150, King Ranch. I mean, this thing is nice. And so I told Lisa, I said, you know, they're changing laws on marriage all the time. I'm going to look into it. If anything ever happens to you, I'm going to see if I can marry this truck. Uh, You know, and so I should have never told her that because I probably planted a seed of jealousy right then with Lisa. Because she dropped me off. The only time she's ever driven my truck, she dropped me off at Nukes a few weeks ago. And she went over to run some errands. And I get this text that said, I hit a fire hydrant with your truck. (laughs) Now, I'm going to tell you, my first instinct was to text back and say, is my truck okay? (laughs) But after 31 years of marriage, I texted back, are you okay? Which shows you my growth. And and then my second text was, is my truck okay? (laughs) And she said, I'm on my way, which was like, oh, boy. When she pulled up, it looked like she had knocked the front teeth out of my truck. I mean, just smashed the whole front end out. And in that moment, as I'm thinking of a lot of things to say, you know what rang in my mind? Never fall in love with a hunk of metal. <laughs> That's right. And so I just said, you know what? That's why they have insurance. No big deal. I kissed her on the cheek. I internally cried. Uh, <laughs> There was a loss of something the in the truck moment. truck or her? Who did you kiss on? Okay. I kissed the wife. truck, wife. right. Yeah. <laughs> it's sort of like that when my Wonder Woman dreams were dashed when my mother-in-law wore a Wonder Woman costume to the trunk or treat. <laughs> Killed it. That's done. Uh, but, but that's another sermon for another day. Um, we, uh, I just got in trouble, didn't I? I was doing good until I did that. What I've learned is that relationships are most important in life. And, and a lot of what we're going to be talking about today is the relationship that we have when we connect with God. You know, when uh, one, uh, 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 the thing called baptism comes up all the time. I, I don't know of any, uh, I can't think off the top of my head of any religious uh, Protestant group that doesn't practice uh, baptism in some shape, form, or fashion. And so the importance of it has always seemed like it's carried through. But uh, uh, I, I wrote on the Facebook, whatever, the other, or Twitter or something, you know, taking a ref- refreshing new look at baptism, and you would have thought I threatened somebody's life, you know, that you're going to relook and restudy something. But I love the fact, what I love about our church is, and our leaders, and, and, and this came from our elders, you know, that we always have the freedom to delve back into the book. And look at things and take a fresh look at things. And so, uh, uh, and while now there are more and more people, especially there are some uh, movements in some educational areas where guys are re-looking, really you know, what does this thing mean? What about baptism? What about immersion? That, of all people who have emphasized it over a long period of time, we ought to have a voice in the conversation, you know. But we also ought to take a real look at what we teach and, and re-look at God's Word and say, hey, look, let's see the beauty of this thing. Before we ever get to the edge of the water, though, we have to look at the reason why we need to get there in the first place. Exactly. It starts with our own sin that we know 
we're going to inherit that, that terrible curse to commit because of what we read in the Bible. from The very first man, the very first woman. Sin came into this world as a choice against God. And every one of us that makes that choice against God, then we put ourselves in that position where the only redemption possible comes through the coming of Christ. We look at every possible answer that we could have for our own sinfulness, for our own going into a grave, for our own weakness and inability to live a Christian life, and we think there's only one possible answer. It's the gospel story of Jesus Christ. The fact that he came to this earth because we had no other answer and said, I'm willing to offer myself in place of you. I will become sin for you so that you may become righteousness. And so he gave his life on a cross. He gave his life, and because he was God and man, it was big enough to cover not just my sin and not just the sins of you here today in this audience or watching on the Internet, but every sin that's ever been committed by every human being that's ever lived or ever will live. That's how big our God is. That cross then takes our sin, and we still have that fear of death. What do we do, though, about the grave? He said, I got that covered. They put him in a tomb, but three days later he came to life to show us that the grave is not the end. That gets us ready to live a life for him. Just that hope in him. And then, of course, we said, but wait a minute, Al. How could we possibly live it even if we could do something about it? Well, he went back to the right hand of the Father where he mediates this very hour for all those who call him Lord. For you, for me. Our past, our present. What about our future? He said, I'll never leave you there. I'll come back and get you. The gospel story of Christ prepares our heart for what must we do to be saved. And, you know, a part of that response of repentance and faith and, and baptism, uh, I think so many times we get, get mentioned. Al, you, I know you've done a lot of travel and preaching around at different churches and uh, different places over the last couple of years. What do you think it is that people misunderstand about our teaching on baptism from our heritage? Well, I think the first thing is that people look at us saying, you know, how important baptism is and what we're going to be talking about today. And the first thing they think is that, oh, you guys believe that there's some regeneration property in water. But that's not true. It's been attributed to us. but It's not true. In other words, we don't believe there's anything magical about water itself. Especially this water. This is brown West Monroe water. Have you seen it, lady? Have you looked in there? You know, it reminds me of in First Samuel when Naaman, you know, he comes from Assyria. And they're, they're the leading, you know, nation in the world. And he comes to Israel because he has leprosy. And he says, you know, I need to be cleansed and healed, but I don't know what to do. And so he's led to Samuel the prophet. He says, here's the answer. Go down and dip yourself seven times. So get baptized seven times in the Jordan River. And Naaman is, I mean, appalled because he was expecting, you know, a Benny Hinn like miracle. And he was told to just go down and get dunked seven times. And of all places in the ugly Jordan River, he said, aren't there more beautiful rivers in Assyria that I could, you know, be dunked into to have to go to this place? What was his problem? He thought there was something about the water. It wasn't about the water. It was about the submission of himself to God. If he had told him to climb a tree and act like a monkey, that's what he needed to do. Instead, he said, go dip yourself. What's interesting is through the years, now people think there's something magical about the Jordan River. I've got to get over there and get baptized in the Jordan River. It's just water. It's not about the water itself. It's about the submission 
to God. It's about the cleansing of the heart by the blood of Jesus, not by the outside water. So I think that's the first thing. Yeah, I, I, I think, too, people tend to view and say, well, you know, that somehow or another violates your belief in the grace of God. Look, we're all saved by the same message. Baptism is not the gospel. The story of Jesus is the gospel. And we're saved by grace. And so baptism isn't a work that someone does to be saved. Uh, The only work that's taking place in baptism is God's work. Now, God's active and he's doing some things, but it's not ours. We're uh, We're simply yielding ourselves. By the way, it's always written in the passive voice that baptism is in the New Testament. It's always something you're yielding yourself to. It's not about someone earning something. It's about responding to the grace. Look, it's an experience of grace, and it's a response to grace. Uh, So it has nothing to do with legalism or working your way to heaven. I love what Martin Luther said about it. He was the chief reformer of his day. Here's what he said about baptism. It is true that our works are of no use for salvation, but baptism is not our work. It is God's work. It is a plunge of faith into the power and promise of God. I love that. I mean, basically, it's that plunge of saying, God, I trust in you to do what you said you would do in me. And I tell you, it's interesting because there's a long history between God and water and salvation. And it really goes back to the very beginning before any of us were ever on this planet. You see it in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Imagine our entire planet, which now is three-quarters water, being completely covered in water. And then he said, let there be light. And then he said, and then he said, and then he said, what came out of that water? Creation. Life. And as you and I both know, even to this day, if you don't have water, you don't have what? You don't have life. We have to have it. And God has showed us in the very beginning there was something very special about that. He was giving us an idea that there was going to be a link to water and to him. And look what happened during the flood. Remember the days of Noah, right? And so the, the whole earth has become so sinful. And, uh, and, and, first, and in First Peter, the Bible says, God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. But in it only few people, eight in all, were saved through water. And this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you. But they weren't saved from water. They were saved from the sinfulness of the, of the world that was there. That's what God was washing away and getting rid of. And yet, so this flood now all of a sudden gives them an opportunity to start uh, all over again, brand new, populating a brand new relationship with God. It's, it, all of a sudden now there's water and there's new creation, so to speak. A new jumping off point. And out of those eight people, Noah's family, that wound up being just this little group of people that wound up being 70, that were transplanted to Egypt, the entire nation of Israel grew there. But they were under slavery. And so Moses was raised up to go in and to bring those people out so that they could go and inherit the land of Canaan that was promised to Abraham. And so the people went out, and of course all these great plagues are there, and they get down to this edge of what? A big body of water. And all of a sudden it's like, what are we going to do? There's no way. We might as well go back. We're going to get killed here. And they begin to murmur and question, and how's this going to happen? And Moses says, by the power of God it will happen. And so, of course, that sea was parted. 
And as those people, millions of them, went through that sea, the Bible says there was a cloud that covered them and water on both sides. And Paul would call it in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Moses' baptism. Because there they were going under all this water to, to what? Freedom and safety. And so they get on the other side and they realize this great miracle that God has brought. And all the water comes back in and it drowns the Egyptians, but it saved them. But man, wouldn't you know it? They hadn't been over there hardly any time. And they began to get hungry and grumble and complain and say, man, I wish we were back in Egypt. At least we had some onions to eat while we were there. And they grumbled and they complained. Why is it that we want to go back under bondage? Old habits die hard when God brings us into a land of milk and honey. And yet he again shows us the power of water and salvation. And so they realize, like we realize in our own struggles, that uh, you know that uh, baptism doesn't drown the devil, right? Hmm. And so there's still struggles. There's still growing. There's still things that have to happen and grow in our life to be holy for God. Now, here, along comes John the Baptist. And John's baptizing for repentance, remission of sins. He's calling people back to God. And, and Jesus shows up. Now... Jesus doesn't have any sin in his life. And so John's first deal is like, wait a minute, I'm not worthy to do this for you. But then remember what John's purpose was. One of the things of John's baptism, the purpose was to find the Lamb of God, declare who he is. And so when Jesus comes and he's baptized, all of a sudden it's declared that he is the Lamb of God. He has an, Jesus has an encounter with the Father there, an encounter with the Holy Spirit, and it kicks off 40 days, instead of 40 years like this, like 40 days of testing, God providing, and it initiates his new ministry and mission that takes off from there. And now off he goes preaching about the kingdom of God. And so my baptism, your baptism is much more like Jesus's than sometimes we realize. For we encounter God and we, and we, we identify with our, our own sinfulness, where Jesus' identity was with man's sinfulness. And, and there's the Holy Spirit that happens to us. There's that receiving of that. And there's the new ministry that takes off a new purpose for life and new, th- new message that we have for folks. And so, in a lot of ways, it's much more like Jesus than we ever thought about or talked about. And that's where, remember when he first started his ministry? He runs up on Nicodemus, a Pharisee. What does he teach him? you got to be born of what? Water and the Spirit. He begins to talk about this again. He goes to this Samaritan woman who's not even a Jew, and he finds her, and he starts talking about what? Living water, worshiping God in spirit and in truth. And all of a sudden, the message is going out. That same message we're talking about today for us. So we begin to look at our own baptism then, especially as we relate it to all these other ideas throughout history. And we say, well, what is accomplished for us? Because if, if we'll buy in that the idea this is God's work, not ours, what is accomplished for us at our baptism? Well, the first couple of things we recognize right off the bat, because we grew up hearing it, right? Acts 2.38. I mean, how many of you can quote Acts 2.38? Several of you. And the rest of you are scared I'm going to make you do it. It's the only reason you're not raising your hand. Repent and be baptized, Peter said, at that first setting where he preached the gospel after Jesus left. Each one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So the first two things we see, and we've emphasized these heavy in our heritage, is we receive forgiveness of sin and the receiving of the Holy Spirit. Now that's huge, and that's awesome, because that takes care of the past, and that also begins to help the present for the Holy Spirit living in us, right? But it's more than just that. That's just one element. 
There's so many more things that happen, although that's big. But sometimes when we put everything through that prism, we only see it that way. That's why we don't recognize Jesus' baptism and the greatness of it, that it also begins the ministry for us. Because we think, well, our baptism is unlike Jesus. He wasn't a sinner, and it's just about forgiving sin. It's more than that. In fact, we got so hung up on it that then everything had to be said the proper way and done the proper way. Did you see the pictures, the old pictures with a hand up in the air? And I remember some of those baptisms when I was a kid. I mean, the hand had to, the right hand had to be up. And we were told, this is how it's got to be. And you got to put your hand over here and you got to hold this and you, and you got to say the right things. I remember when I was 19 years old, I was a brand new Christian. I shared the gospel with a, with a, a guy. And he wanted to be baptized, and I was so excited about it. So we're right there on the riverbank. We were going to a little church, Luna, out there close to where uh, Mom and Dad live. And so we go down the water, and I baptize him, and I'm so excited. And I come out, and this dear brother, who I love very much, he puts his arm around me. He says, I'm so proud of you. And I said, and I'm beaming, you know, and I'm fired up, and I'm ready. He said, but you forgot to say, in the remission of sins. And I was like, oh, man, my first one, and I've condemned this person now by not saying the right words. And I, I really thought that. I thought, I've blown it, you know. And so he saw my face drop, you know, and he said, oh, and he patted me on the shoulder. He said, it's okay, because I've prayed about it, and I think it's going to be okay. <laughs> <laughs> Whew. But think of, I look back on that now, and I mean, he's a good-hearted brother. And he, he, but my work, what I said or didn't say, was going to trump this person's submission to the Father in the moment? That's what happens when you put too much on vocabulary and not victory of the moment. So I learned something in that moment. It's not about what I say. It's about what this person does in their heart towards God. It's not about who baptizes you. Someone said, well, who can baptize you? One day we had a bunch of responses here. There were baptisms going on. I was standing down here by Randy Kirby, and Randy leaned over, and he said, Mike, who, who, who is that baptizing that pe- those people? And I said, I don't know, Randy. You know, and so we're like, we're just let anybody in there, I guess, you know. <laughs> yeah, I guess so, you know. So well, I didn't even know that word, but this was some guy was baptizing his family that we had just converted here. And, uh, and so, but it, it gets like that sometimes because what happens is if it becomes a formula where this plus this plus this equals this, then that becomes mechanical. That becomes uh, eventually legalistic in what we do. Now, I, I, I was the same way. First guy I ever baptized. I was so excited. Uh, he, he was 16 years old. This kid was up in uh, Omaha, Nebraska, and I'd study with him. It was Wednesday night after church, you know, and so they all gather up close to the baptistry. The preacher's there, and, and he's trying to tell me how to do it. And so I, I'm nervous, and so I start to baptize the guy. And when the guy's scared of water, so when I took him under, he reached up and grabbed the edge of the glass. And so I'm holding him under, and the preacher's trying to pry his fingers up, you know. <laughs> And so I'm waiting, you know, but I'm like, I can't keep him under too long. Bubbles are coming up. I, you know, we're going to send him to heaven and save him off the same act here. So I pull him up out of that. And look, I grew up in the Church of Christ. you got to, all body parts have to go under at the same time. So I grab his arm and we take him to the bottom, you know. I mean, I'm sure he's in. But what makes us think that somehow or another... That's how God works. It's not about it's not about the formula. It's not about the legalistic side of who says what. Look, it's a pro- what's God what's God's intention? God's intention is not to see you baptized. Now think about this. Cuz Romans 8 Romans 8 says God's intention 
It's for everyone to conform to the image of Christ. Baptism is a mode of of transformation as a part of that becoming like Jesus. It's not a line in the sand. It's a part of me responding to the grace of God because I want to be like Christ. And so there's a whole lot more happens in baptism than just one view of forgiveness of sins. And while that's great, there's more. Don't miss out on the other good stuff. What about the Holy Spirit that we receive? Man, what a great blessing. Because I can't walk and live in this whole life by myself. I can't do it. I need the Spirit of God. So what about putting me in a family? It's not membership, it's relationship. What about that? What about clothing me with Christ? All those things form a beautiful broader picture of God transforming me into the image of Jesus, which is what he desires to do. And by the way, First John says eventually that's what will happen because when he comes back, we don't know what he looks like, but we'll be, we're going to be raised to look just like him. And what a great day that will be. What about the beginning of our mission and our ministry? Because now I know. And so I want other people to know. What about the clearing and the cleansing of our conscience? Well, I want to sleep well at night, don't you? And for that to happen, I have to have a conscience that says, I trust in the Almighty way more than I trust in myself. What about being buried and raised to live a new life? Romans 6. That's what baptism does. That's that doorway. That's that special place. And look, while it's a culmination of sorts from the process we go through to trust in Him, at the same point, it's not an ending point, it's a beginning point. It's the point in which now we say, you know what, I don't know how much time I have left, but whatever I have left, I'm going to spend loving you. That's what means when I confess my heart and life to Jesus Christ. And I may have a day, or I may have a hundred years, but no matter what it is, I'm going to serve it. So God accomplishes that for us, and we accomplish something as well. We, can, we uh, accomplish our commitment and confession. We're saying, Lord, we're going to follow you. We're going to trust in you. You are our Lord and our Savior. We're going to deal with our past, present, and future. All sin is erased. All sin in real time is being mediated and taken care of at that same cross that cleansed your past sin. And then in the future, we're going to live with him forever. In the resurrection, which is going to be powerful, in the great day of judgment, we already know. Because if we're in Christ, we're with him. That's going to be a great day. Past, present, and future. It publicly proclaims our faith and our salvation in Christ. It gives us opportunity for new hope. There was a machinist years ago that worked at Ford Motor Company in Detroit. He heard the message of the gospel. He was baptized into Christ, became a Christian. Uh, after this being filled with the Holy Spirit, he started looking at his life and said, I've got to change something. He had taken tools and parts, you know, and stolen from the factory and taken them home with So he brings all those tools that he had taken and to his foreman at, the, at Detroit at the factory and, and piles them all in there and, and says, I've, I've changed my life I'm, and I, I want to I make as much restitution as possible. Here's, here are these tools. And he asked for forgiveness from his foreman. Well, the word got out that this guy had made such a life change 
that uh, uh, Mr. Ford was out of town traveling at another company, but somebody had cabled him and, and told him about this. So he sent a cable back, and it simply said this. Uh, he sent a cable back. He said, well, dam up the Detroit River and baptize the entire city. <laughs> said, if that makes a difference, then, then let's, let's do that. Now, Paul Harvey, after his baptism, said this. The change this simple act made in my life is so immense as to be indescribable. Since totally yielding to him in baptism, my heart can't stop singing. Also, perhaps because baptism is such a public act, and because one's dignity gets as drenched as one's body, I discovered a new unself-consciousness in talking about my beliefs. Since this made that kind of a change. Jesus changes lives. Responding to that gospel in baptism is a beautiful picture and response and experience of the grace of God. That's the beginning of making you look more like Christ than ever before. Have you ever thought about your baptism having the possibility to inspire other people? I mean, I've witnessed thousands of new births through the years, and every time I feel that same feeling of joy. And every time there's someone watching that maybe hasn't experienced that themselves and thinks, could I do that? Could I be cleansed by God? Is it possible? See, we all come in different ways. I was 18 years old. I had another hunk of metal, a 76 Monte Carlo I was pretty fond of. Of course, it was 1983, so it wasn't a new vehicle. But, you know, a guy that was sent from Satan himself tried to beat me up with a crowbar and he did beat my car up and it was a wake-up call i was in new orleans i came home i'd been a prodigal for about three years and i got home and i realized that i was missing the most important thing in my life and that was jesus christ at the center of it so i hung my head and i came home and i listened for the first time as a teenager because of that the gospel message now, I was open, it penetrated me. And it spoke to me that you can change. The way you've been living and all the bad stuff you've done can be totally removed by the power of Christ. So we walked down to that bluff right there by Dad's house, and he baptized me into Christ. And it changed my past and my present and now my future. Here I am at 51 years old, and I can still remember how I felt that day renewed see that has the ability to inspire other people for me it wound up putting me in a pulpit working for you guys for a long time wanting to share my victories i don't want to be stingy with the victories of god do you and so we have an opportunity to inspire other people by our willingness to follow the christ you have that opportunity today I talked to someone earlier that's in that process of trying to figure out the transformation. She asked me about it. She's working on it. God's working on her. I said, look, you'll know when you know. Now's the time to make the move. And again, it's not because of water. It's because I want the pledge of a good conscience and to be cleansed inside and then out. That's the beauty of who God is in us. So maybe you're there today. 
Maybe God brought you here on this very day, or maybe you're looking in on the Internet and saying, you know what, I know I need to do that, and now I know why. That's an opportunity for you today. Maybe there's something else on your heart, some burden, some victory that you want to share with us. Or maybe you just want to hear more about this, and we want to share more with you about it. Like Mike said, now is the time when people are talking about this. We want to engage conversation about anything concerning the Bible. And baptism is certainly an important thing in all of our lives. Whatever your need is this morning, we want to give you that opportunity to come while we stand and while we sing.